This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. hey it's Pat Boylan from Mraz, and today on the Best of the DA Show, did Dan Snyder sink himself with the email leaks? Also, your best audio of the day and sound check, including, does Zion actually want to lose weight? What city can we send him to so we stop being fat? Plus, it is the first ever British bacon. The day at Wimbledon, yours truly, takes you through the tennis highlights at the biggest tournament in tennis. Also, it's a thirsty Thursday. We toast to the good stuff. Plus, Bogish is stunned to a news, advanced analytics, and the epic fail. It's the best of the DA show. It's ahora. So we begin with the NFL. As Dan Snyder has found himself being forced to sell the franchise, he said he would never sell, which is good news for Commanders fans everywhere. I think it might be difficult for young people, say you're 25 or younger, to even comprehend that at one point in time, in the not-so-distant past, the Washington football franchise was a model organization that won Super Bowls. It seems so outlandish and so alien and so foreign, but... Between 1972 and 1991, this franchise went to Super Bowls in every decade and won three of them, had record-setting regular seasons, and a few of those teams are considered some of the greatest of all time. The 91 Washington team is a top 10 team ever. Some might argue a top five team ever. And 1991's only 31 years ago. I say only, but it's not like this was grainy black and white footage. In fact, everything changed when Dan Snyder bought the franchise. And when he did, they became a laughingstock almost overnight. And so for the last 30 years... All we do is connect Washington football to dysfunction and pathetic results on the field and a fan base that has turned its back and apathy and anger and an owner that is one of the most disgraceful in sport. Finally, that may be over as he's being forced to sell. But how did we get here? Because he insisted he would never sell this franchise. Well, remember the John Gruden emails? Seth Wickersham, Don Van Nade, investigative reporters for ESPN, penned a lengthy piece yesterday, which connected the John Gruden emails, the ones that featured him using misogynistic and homophobic and racist language, to the sale 
of Washington. And it's a really complicated, very layered story. And so I'm not going to spend a ton of time picking up the minutia of it and thread by thread, detail by detail, because it's it's really quite confusing. There's a lot of parties involved. There's a lot of warring motives involved. But they draw the line between the Gruden emails that obviously got Gruden blackballed and ultimately Dan Snyder losing the Washington franchise. And the great comeuppance is that it was potentially Dan Snyder who lit his own fuse that blew up in his face to be forced to sell. So did Dano sink himself? It is where we begin. You're cold open. In regards to the John Gruden situation, we all respect his decisions, and we're going to move ahead accordingly. There are owners, there are four of them that Seth Worthersham and I spoke with that say they believe Roger Goodell personally had something to do with the leaks. Goodell denied just a couple of weeks after the leaks to both the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times on these Gruden emails that he had anything to do with them. He told all the owners that in an executive session. He looked them all in the eye. And yet there are still four owners, at least that told us on background, that they don't believe the commissioner. They believe that the commissioner uh, had enough motive, had enough reason to do it. And I think that's the thing that surprised me the most in the reporting. It's the most amazing, sensational, dramatic, heart It's DA's top story. Here he goes. It's your cold open. Voices you heard, John Gruden's right-hand man, Mike Mayock. That was from a couple of years ago. And that was Don Van Nata, one of the authors of this piece for ESPN, investigative reporter, on with Dan Lebitard. Okay, so here's kind of the Cliff Notes version. Way back when, a couple of years ago, remember there was the Beth Wilkinson investigation into Washington's workplace culture. And the investigation, which was supposed to give the NFL some insight into just how bad it was in Washington, was really bad. And it's not like we didn't know it was really bad, but it was really bad. And the Wilkinson investigation was supposed to lead to a massive suspension Fine, punishment, lost draft picks, perhaps even Dan Snyder being forced to sell the team. That was what was supposed to happen because she found an incredible amount of dysfunction and toxic workplace culture under Dan Snyder. And this investigation came back. There was a dossier, all of these reports, all of these witnesses, all of these sources, all of these incidents. And Dan Snyder decided to fight fire with fire. And Snyder, as Bogus mentioned yesterday in the update, had a black male PowerPoint made. And he took a bunch of emails that were sent within the league office and had his lawyers put them together and put them up on a big screen in front of the league and say, you think we're bad? You're doing the same thing. We've got this on you. Don't come at me like we're dysfunctional. You're doing the same thing. And this led to two camps in the NFL. One, a camp that was horrified at Dan Snyder for trying to blackmail them and saying, this is your problem. Don't point the finger anywhere else. Number two, a camp that was scared. 
that Dan Snyder was crazy enough to turn this into a war of, you think you got me, I got you. Okay? At this point, there's going to be some type of penalty handed down to Dan Snyder for his workplace malpractice. And Roger Goodell, for some reason, goes really, really, really light on Dan Snyder. No one knows why. Wickersham and Van Nata admit no one knows why that Goodell did not drop the hammer on Snyder when it was obvious after this report that things were really toxic in Washington. But one of the working theories is that Snyder's threat of this blackmail PowerPoint, look what we got on the league office, look what we got on you guys, was enough to scare Goodell into not doing much, which is why we all said you got all this information back and all you did was kind of make him go away for a year even though his wife is in charge and he's still showing up to events. Well, instead of Dan Snyder taking a light punishment and going away and staying dark and kind of abiding by what was a slap on the wrist, Snyder kept pushing, kept pressing, and kept wanting to be front and center of his franchise that he spent so much money on that he obviously thinks validates him. And ultimately, the NFL got sick and tired of it. Now, there's a subplot here. The subplot is, did you know, I didn't know, that Roger Goodell and John Gruden hated one another. I did not know this. But apparently, Gruden and Goodell have been antagonists for a long time. It may have started a decade ago, and this was one of the other stories, that Gruden had said something on a Monday night football broadcast about player safety, and Goodell was annoyed, angry at it, and Goodell summoned Gruden into the league office for a seminar or a lecture with Jeff Fisher, of all people, and John Madden to lecture John Gruden on what really is going on with player safety. And Gruden was like, are you bleeping kidding me? Now, I don't particularly like John Gruden. I don't particularly like Roger Goodell. I certainly don't like Dan Snyder. So this is pretty funny because there's no good actors in this. It's just a, bad, a bunch of bad actors and villains. But now there's this internal war that is raging between all parties. And Dan Snyder may have ordered the code red. The code red being, look, we know Goodell hates John Gruden. We got Gruden emails that show him being racist, misogynistic, homophobic. Let's drop these in the media. Let's leak these so that Gruden's gotta go. Does Snyder do this to appease Goodell? Maybe. Does Goodell do this because he hates Gruden? Maybe. Does Deboris Smith do this because he wants to gin up support for the next vote for him, the leader of the Players Union? Maybe. Because one of Gruden's emails directly racist about Deboris Smith. Does Rock Nation do this because Rock is dealing with anti-racist messaging after 2020. Maybe. Nobody quite knows. 
but there's reasons to believe one or all of those parties leaked the Gruden emails. Anyway, the Gruden emails get leaked. Gruden obviously loses his job. The Raiders franchise gets topsy-turvy, even more so. And it forces Congress to start looking into Washington because these are emails sent by Gruden to Bruce Allen, who's in the front office, the right-hand man of the owner in Washington, and they start going, oh, this is really bad. And one thing leads to another, and that's the threat as Congress gets involved that finally forces Dan Snyder to sell. Anyway, it's a long, convoluted story, but here are my big takeaways. Number one, it's hard to imagine at this point in time that the NFL ever loses this chokehold that it has in American culture. But these are the types of things that make me wonder if one day there's going to be a reckoning for this entire league. Because can you have this much toxicity and warring factions within a corporation and it stay all-powerful and all-knowing? I mean, this is coaches versus owners and owners versus commissioner and owners versus owners and players union versus coaches and all of them manipulating and using one another with blackmail and emails and we've got this on you and dirt to try to one-up and get people fired or removed or punished. The NFL is so big and we love football so much that it's really hard to imagine it ever not being what it is. But things rot from the inside. A nice house that you go and look at to buy that you don't know has termites on the inside of it, one day is going to be crumbling. You hear stories and you read stories like this and go, God, it's way worse than we know on the outside as they paint this portrait of everything is great, everything is wonderful because they're printing money hand over fist. The second part that strikes me is John Gruden was one of the faces of the league as a popular voice of Monday Night Football, a jewel broadcast, and seemingly everybody in the league hated him <laughs> or significant parties hated him. And also the simple fact that maybe karma is the best cleanser for everything. That you can't know what happens behind closed doors, but you just have to hope that karma eventually gets people. And Dan Snyder's ego eventually led to, undeniably, him losing his job, losing his the franchise. The only thing that, that made him matter. Because if he didn't refuse to change or refuse to handle a punishment or refuse to acknowledge his own flaws... Snyder would probably have his franchise still. But instead, he fought it every step of the way, refused to change, wanted to fight fire with fire, and ultimately it came back to haunt him. The NFL is one of the most amazing soap operas in the world because as dysfunctional as it may be on the inside, it just keeps plowing over anything and everything in his path. And what's what's the end result of all of this ugliness? No loss of fans, no loss of ratings, no loss of revenue. And they got Dan Snyder out and they got John Gruden out. So it's like they can't lose. <laughs> 
You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. presents this program in color. An educated person can't think he's going to get a recruit by uh, strippers coming in. They can fire you, but they can't eat you. And they run through our ass like through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. The audio you need to hear. It's DA Soundcheck. And you can listen to the DA Show across the great CBS Sports Radio Network and also on Sirius XM Channel 158 every morning. Soundcheck is brought to you by Wesley Financial. Stuck at a timeshare and want out? Contact Wesley Financial Group now and get a free timeshare exit information kit at wesleyfinancialgroup.com. Last night was the ESPYs, and the Bills training staff was honored for saving the life of DeMar Hamlin, understandably so. Here is Bills trainer Nate Bresky. My name is Nate Bresky. I'm the head athletic trainer for the Buffalo Bills. I'm humbled and honored to be speaking tonight, representing the Buffalo Bills athletic training and medical staff. By the grace of God and divine intervention, we had the best outcome we could have prayed for or imagined. It was a massive army of specialists who came together on and off the field to do their jobs that night. That team includes the Bills and Bengals athletic training and medical staffs. Jamar, first and foremost, thank you for staying alive, brother. Seriously, we are so honored to be standing up here next to such a strong and courageous human being. So, DeMar Hamlin was only one person, but obviously captured the attention of a nation because we had never experienced a football player in the NFL potentially passing away in front of our very eyes. It had happened back in the early 70s on a non-nationally televised game. But in terms of modern football, this was not something that we had ever trafficked. So, DeMar Hamlin has this huge, huge story and, and attention on him. And... It was a reminder to me, A, that these training staffs are just extraordinary. That immediately, within seconds, they were at Tamar Hamlin's side, making sure that Hamlin was given every chance to survive. 
And the work that the Bills and Bengals training staffs did was exemplary. But also, it just reminded me how amazing first responders are in general. Those EMTs, those medical emergency first responders, those that show up in ambulances for us, those nurses and surgeons and doctors in ER units and emergency care all across the country are just amazing. And because it happens with regular people every night at an ER, because it happens every day with ambulances racing around our country, it goes unnoticed. When it happens to Damar Hamlin, obviously, it's it's of great attention. But just people in the healthcare industry that race to each other, race to our lives to just save us. I have nothing but incredible respect for, and certainly the the crews that worked on Damar Hamlin immediately deserve all types of applause, but the people that do that every single day for every one of us deserve that. Also from the ESPYs, LeBron James gave us the sense after the playoff exit that perhaps this was going to be it for him, even though I didn't believe it. I don't think many of you believed it either. However, we got confirmation last night that that was not it for LeBron. The real question for me is, can I play without cheating this game? The day I can't give the game everything on the floor is the day I'll be done. Lucky for you guys, that day is not today. Just kidding. I'm done. Oh, no. Just kidding. Just kidding. I'm not done. Yeah! <laughs> that day's not today. It's tomorrow, though. Oh, Sorry, no, guys. No. Oh. I do appreciate LeBron's greatness, but, man, is he the, the corniest person alive sometimes? And, he, boy, does he know how to squeeze everything out of every... I mean, I guess it's like this show. I mean, we squeeze everything out of... <laughs> Coming up on Instagram, I'm going to release the oil boil pictures, I think, next week. How about that? Hire a new Sean in 2025. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Boy, we are really milking this producer yeah. search. We're on the Olympic cycle. But boy, wow. LeBron really milks it. <laughs> Another round <laughs> of listener interviews today. <laughs> we haven't paid off bets that are like 18 <laughs> yeah. months expired yeah. now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're just holding our back pocket, DA bringing me... Six cases of Bud Light. Mm-hmm. All right, triple or nothing on the Bulls season this year. <laughs> but on a serious note, that is one thing we need, we need to do next week. We need to settle all bets oh, good point. before Sean leaves. Because I believe yeah. you owe him beers from two years ago. And then Still? I, I think mm-hmm. you owed him a six-pack that you never brought in. And then he and you owe me beers from this past bowl season. Oh, man. I still owe him that six-pack of Kona? I believe you do. So DA's paying up big time, huh? Yeah. Sounds like it. How about that? And none of the cases of beer that I brought to Bob's Bar count towards... Well, that was half. Courts towards your... Oh, that's half of yeah. my payment. Yeah. I wish I had some more of those beers. We left so many ice-cold, delicious beers in that cooler. That day was just a absolute blur in the morning when, uh, like, I'm, I think it's done. We've got, like... 18 coolers of drinks, and all of a sudden, the guy from Arizona Iced Tea starts wheeling in like a whole truckload of stuff. I know. Hard iced tea. I didn't have any of those. I did. They were good. I also, I was trying really hard to get one of those, I don't know, like the 
those like display coolers, mm. the tall, skinny, almost like garbage can ones. Yeah. I wanted to take that as my souvenir. But and who got those? I'm assuming they're in still at Bob's Bar. That's amazing. So every year we do something at Bob's Bar, Bob's just keeps stacking up all the stuff that we bring or mm-hmm. have sponsored there. Well, Mraz probably drinks it all. Yeah, definitely. Well, I don't know if he's a spiked iced tea type of, type of guy. Uh, I'm sure he had one that day. I don't know if it's there. I think like me, there are days where that makes sense more than beer for Sean. There are just <laughs> days where that's the drink you should have. If there was any twisted tw- uh, teas that were brought, they were all gone by about 8 a.m. Yeah, yeah, that was that was the potent elixir that uh, mm. caused some issues for one party goer. It was the twisted tea. Yeah, and kudos to Twisted Tea, by the way. They've they're kind of the original in this part of the industry. True, and they've stayed strong. Other things have faded away. You're right. But Twisted Tea goes gone strong and hasn't really done much variation. There are some flavors and whatnot, but it's basically stayed true to its original form, and it keeps selling. They're, I, they're pre-spiked seltzers. I stand by that. The Tweez, Twisted Teas, they are Tweez. the <laughs> drink of You're choice. You're such a zoomer. They are the drink. I don't sound like a zoomer. That's what they're called. Tweez. That's how you shorten it. Tweez. I went to college six years ago, Bogues. I'm not that young. <laughs> yeah, you are. Uh, but that is the drink of choice for me still when I'm golfing. Tweez. Oh, yeah. They're refreshing on the course. Refreshing. Go down real easy. More so than beer. Yeah, for sure. I'm not a big beer guy. Mm. No a lot one's... of empty cows. I've gained enough weight as it is. No one's having an Aquafina on the links? <laughs> huh. I like an ice cold beer. Tweez, though, huh? And finally, here's Gilbert Arenas on the Gilbert Arenas podcast discussing... Is this Zion on the podcast? Oh, okay. Zion is actually a guest on the Gilbert Arenas podcast. Let's listen in. Man, I'm a hooper. So when I'm sitting on the sideline watching my teammates in certain games they lose, I'm like, I know, I know if I was out there, I can change the outcome of it. So whether people want to believe it or not, when I'm on the sideline, man, that hurt me more than anything. I'm always able to come back each summer feeling good, looking good. But I would say it's more of a... Just locking in on, like, flexibility, band work. Because I think it's those things that will be able to keep me on the court longer versus just losing a bunch of weight and then coming to play. Mm. Well, I feel good and I'm doing well. Man, it hurts me to be on the sideline. Man, I just want to hoop. Man, people think I don't care, but it just hurts me. But um, that etouffee is just too good, man. It's just... <laughs> You guys had crawfish? Like you, guys, you guys have no idea. These fried oysters down here, po' boys, man. I just love them as much as I love hooping. Like, how can you say, I love hooping, it hurts me to not play, and in the same breath say, and I show up to camp every year looking good, but uh, it's just my weight. <laughs> <laughs> so you really like eating more than you like playing basketball, basically. Yeah, there was a little bit of Shep in that Zion that you did as well. But, uh, yeah, I just he's already reneging on the diet that he apparently was going to go through. He goes, yeah, you know, if I, just do, if I just stay flexible and do band work, then, you know, losing weight's pointless. You know, if I have dessert before 5 p.m., yeah, it's fine. 
I mean, is it possible we just need to get Zion out of New Orleans? Get him to a city where the food stinks. Got to get him to a certain forbidden city on this show. I don't know. The food around here is great. It is. I think this goes back to the whole porn star thing. There, We have to find the worst eating city in the NBA and get him there. I mean, is there a safe place? I'm just thinking of non-metropolitan areas, but like, I'm, I'm assuming there's good food in Salt Lake City. If he's a member of the Jazz, he's going to get fat. Nah, let's get him to Salt Lake. I don't know. <laughs> No, you're right. There's, I'm sure, amazing restaurants. Or a donut shop, whatever he needs. But he's going to find need, it. But we need a place that is not known for fatty fried foods. He can't be in the city that we're in because there's just too much pizza and Italian all over the place. Right. We can't put him in Texas anywhere because there's too much barbecue and Mexican food all over the place. Right. Oklahoma City, you get a chicken fried steak or something, he's in trouble. Yeah. Put him in Minnesota. The food there sucks. Just was going to say that. Minnesota. Well, there's... Ri- there's ri- No. Have you ever seen the Minnesota State Fair? They fry anything. Right. Oh, boy. But that's a state fair. Keep him away from the fair. No, there's... No. Up there, you got a lot of, like in Wisconsin, Jeez. too, a lot of cheese, a lot of sausages. Yeah. Where are we going to send them? I know. That's my point. There is no safe place for a bad maybe, eater. Miami, maybe, because it's seafood. Seattle, because it's sushi. Well, they don't have a team right now. Then maybe they'd have to do the expansion team. Yeah. Very good, good point. <laughs> That's so, something I overlooked. That's two problems. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make it worse. <laughs> So let's put that one aside for now. He won't be able okay. to play, and he's eating all the time up in Seattle. Table that suggestion <laughs> until the Sonics come back. But when it happens, Portland, Sacramento? Maybe Sacramento. I don't know enough about Sacramento. Portland's got a lot of good food. You can't go to Portland. Yeah, because they have the hipster burger joints. Yeah. So Phoenix. Mexican food all over the place. Where? Indianapolis? Where can we get this guy to where he's not eating po' boys every day? <laughs> where can we where can we go to where he's not drinking gumbo out of a 7-Eleven Big Gulp? <laughs> I, I think it's Seattle. You lock him in a gym. After you get a team. Right. When you get right. a team there. <laughs> oh, okay. No, before. Let, let him get in the gym. Or time travel. Either way. Let him lock, up, lock him up in the gym. <laughs> Maybe Detlef Schremke in line of the old Sonics. Right. <laughs> That's what he needs. <laughs> okay, I've got the plan, Adam Silver. If we can just get Zion in the flux capacitor and the DeLorean back to 1996 and get Zion into the Sonics culture, I think we would have right. a superstar. Yeah, Michael Cage, Detlef Schrempf, <laughs> Gary Payton. All he's not sh- He's not eating bad with those veterans. Although Sean Kemp got fat. Yeah, that, was that after Seattle, though? I feel like that was mostly his Cleveland days. Yeah. Cleveland, again, not a good place no. if you want to keep somebody thin. Detroit, nope. not a good place to keep somebody thin. I mean, Orlando, I'm assuming he'd just be at Disney all the time, eating huge Mickey-shaped Rice Krispie treats. Orlando's not a bad one, except there's just a host of chain restaurants. Right. And so he's going to be walking the Disney boardwalk or yeah. doing the... Cracker barrel hit on the side of the highway. That's, that's rough. Yeah. Waffle houses all over the place. Now, you could bring him to Seattle, and before he becomes a Sonic when they move, you couldn't make him a Kraken. Put him on the ice. Put him in skates. You're asking a lot now. You want him to change sports no, but that, on top the, of eating habits? Because what a, uh, a way to build up your body again. 
skate. So how many hamstrings does Zion pull if we ask him to skate right. for the Kraken? Make him, make him a goalie. Does he ever play? <laughs> make him the goalie. Like Goldberg and the Mighty Ducks. Right. And that's your sound check. It does feel like we got robbed of a superstar because he just landed in the wrong city. How hard must it be to just go from your apartment to the arena in New Orleans and back to your apartment and not eat delicious, rich, fatty, fried foods? I mean, I, you think I'm, I'm getting fat living here. If I lived in New Orleans, forget it. I would already have put on the 100 pounds. Yeah, but at the same time, DA, like, it's so easy. If you do have all that money, hire a personal chef That's right. that can make you good-tasting, mm-hmm. healthy food. He just wants to be fat. Right. I'm Trump coming to you be fat. Let me be fat. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could hire somebody that just stands next to him the entire time and smacks his hand when he reaches for a donut or a Big Mac. If you were worth $400 million like he is, you really would just hire a chef and be like, look, you just got to keep me under this weight. Right. Whatever it takes, just do it and don't uh, let me go to Whataburger. It really, isn't, <laughs> it really is embarrassing how uh-huh. he can't lose 20 pounds. As much cardio as he's doing during the season and in a game, think about it. You probably burn, what, 1,000 calories, 1,500 calories easy in an NBA game? I would think even more than that. Especially if all the weight he has. I mean, it's, it's honestly, it is embarrassing that he can't lose weight. We should just have Taylor Swift sing her hit song, Don't Be Fat. <laughs> That's it. At Zion all day, every day. That's the collaboration 2023 needs. Taylor Every, Swift, get Zion in the booth, mm-hmm. have him drop down some bars. And now, and then you're really holding him to it then. The sizzle of the best goals. Sing us a song. You're the overtime ending man. The saltiness of the best games. Guys, we're having a good time. Having a good time. Crave the nightly action of the Stanley Cup playoffs. That's a hockey, you know, it's only it's only game. Why do you have to be mad? He's a good guy. It's your morning serving of Canadian bacon. Only on the DA show. But today it's British bacon. Pat Boyle, take it away. Alright, DA. We take a hop, skip, and a jump across the pond to the All England Tennis Club. In the greater London area where the fine lads and lasses are sipping on their bubbly, they're dousing their strawberries with the most divine cream in all the land. They're knocking boots in the private rooms on the outskirts of the tennis garden. Everybody's wearing white, putting shame to Michael Rubin's grandiose parties. And of course, at centre court, 128 men and women have been reduced to four on each side. The Wimbledon semi-finals is set, so let's have a shag, yeah? We start with the final two women's quarterfinal matches yesterday. Not a good day for the lone remaining American, Madison Keys, when she went to turn on the ignition, hot and fresh out of the kitchen. It stalled. She couldn't unlock the big forehand yesterday as she broke down and the wheels fell off against the world number two, Arena Sabalenka. The Belarusian was rushing off to a hot start with a double break lead in the first set. Then Madison spent the second set searching for the keys to victory, but to no avail. Sabalanka drove right through her for a 6-2, 6-4 win. Who will she meet in the semis? The other quarter was a popcorn match, as the Brits liken it. A rematch of last year's Wimbledon final, pitting the defending champion Elena Rybakina versus Anz Jabeur. 
Last year, Jabir became the first Arab and Muslim woman to reach a major singles final, as well as the first woman from Africa to do so as well. And the Tunisian had a set point in the first set, but Rebaka to turn the lights off on Ans. Stuffing set point before winning the opener in a tiebreak. However, after that, Jabir started to pour her heart on the floor, and she started cooking like she was making soup du jour. Ans won a tight second set, and then Jabir would soar in the third, dancing her way on the floor to victory. After the match, Jabir said she was at war with her team, but stuck to her chores. I kept uh, yelling at my coaches like, you told me to play like this, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, look what's happening, you know? Uh, but then, you know, I, I really tried to, to get back in the zone and uh, believe that this plan is the plan, you know, and uh, kept going. Uh, and I think I'm going to end up writing a book about my emotions because this is <laughs> unbelievable. Rebakina was off while Jabur said, Turn me on, turn me on, let me hold you. Go caress my body, you got me going crazy. Turn me on, turn me on. <laughs> hug me, hug me, kiss me, squeeze me. Hug me, hug me, kiss and caress me. Meanwhile, we also had the final two men's quarters yesterday in the one match. It was world number one, Carlos Alcaraz, the 20-year-old phenom looking for his first Wimbledon semifinal. He took on a fellow 20-year-old rising superstar, world number six, Holger Runa of Denmark. Well, it was fairly straightforward. Carlitos pulled the rug out from Runa, put him in a choke Holger, and Alcaraz sent him to Alcatraz with a straight sets victory. And the other match, world number three, Daniil Medvedev. He won the U.S. Open two years ago, but has never been to a semifinal at Wimbledon. In his way, the Cinderella story of Wimbledon. The last American man, Chris Eubanks, who was ranked outside the top 100 just four months ago. Medvedev won the first set, but Eubanks did not want the clock to strike midnight just yet. So using a giant serve that touches 140 miles an hour, Eubanks took the second set to the bank and then cashed in for the third set as well. He was moving way better on the grass than Mraz does mowing the lawn, and he was mowing down the Russian. But Medvedev's nickname is the bear, and he was feeling grisly with his back against the wall. So he put his big paws on Eubanks and emptied out his checking account, winning the fourth set in a tiebreaker. It was one-way traffic in the final set as the clock did indeed strike midnight, and Eubanks was transformed into the proverbial pumpkin. Victory was as sweet as pie for Medvedev, but after the match, Chris Eubanks said he's enjoyed the ride. Where I end up, I end up. But I think at this point, especially considering the fact that I spent five years hovering in that 220 to... 150 range and playing so many challengers it's like man at this point it's, it's just a cherry on top i'm just enjoying myself i'm having a great time you could say he is feeling good and doing well you could surmise that chris is feeling alive and he's having a good time having a good time and why not he just made four hundred and thirty thousand dollars at wimbledon and has already made over a million this year i think it's fair to say that eubanks is headed to the bank and when he gets there they'll say hey 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 Baby, I got your money, don't you worry. I say, hey, baby, I got your money, don't you worry. Finally, today, in less than an hour from now, the women's semifinals kick off with a matchup that nobody could have predicted. Marketa Vondrusova of the Czech Republic taking on Alina Svitolina of Ukraine, who just had a baby back in October and only came back to the tour three months ago. She gave birth nine months ago and has now given birth to one of the best patches of her career. Svitolina trying to channel her inner Thumbelina, a tiny girl with a big heart who encountered toads, moles, and cockchafers in her adventures. 
Spinalina with a much tougher challenge than little Thumbelina. She has a war-struck and impoverished country on her back. As she said, it means the world to see Ukraine rally around her. There was many videos also on the internet where the kids uh, are watching on their phones. Uh, and, uh, you know, this really uh, makes my heart melt uh, seeing this and, you know, just happy I could bring little happiness to, to people of Ukraine. Fidelina looking for more Grina. She'll have to play Mina in search of her first slam final. <laughs> Vondrusova is in search of her second. And that is your British bacon. Okay, okay, okay. No grading yet. No grading until after the commercial break, but... A Wimbledon tennis clap. Wow. For that performance. We will do the grading of the oinks, the analysis of the first ever British bacon coming up on the top side of the hour here, but you just heard history. That was A, the first time we've ever done a non-hockey bacon here, and B, the first time I've actually paid attention to Wimbledon. So <laughs> everybody I, wins. I generally kind of know what's happening, but that's the first time I've heard something that I've actually wanted to listen to. So great job by Pat when we come back. The grading and the analysis. And we just heard the first ever British bacon as Pat Boyle, a.k.a. Tom Doyle, is a big tennis fan. And he asked me, do you think we could do a Wimbledon bacon? Tom Boyle. And this was a couple of weeks ago, and I believe that Mraz poo-pooed the idea, but I kind of liked it. And the reason that we did Canadian bacon was coming out of the pandemic, any and all sports were cherished because we had been without for so long. And so we wanted to give the NHL postseason its proper attention. And Mraz is a huge hockey fan. So I said, Mraz, you know what? Take this segment, make it your own. We'll dress it up, make it fun, but you know, keep it moving. And I gave him a kind of a, a general structure. I said, to give you some, some lines to color between, give me a highlight, a soundbite, and a player of the night. And so... He did that, and it became its own entity, and it became one of the most popular segments that we do. And now maybe it spawns something else, because kind of the same way, we don't spend a lot of time talking about tennis here on the show. I kind of generally know what's going on in tennis, but I'm not a huge tennis fan, despite having actually played tennis throughout my high school years. But Pat Boyle is a huge tennis fan. So when he brought this idea to me, I said, yeah, why don't we try that? Why don't we why don't we do that? So we just had the first ever British bacon. Although I will note that a listener has a better idea than I did. We called it British bacon. John and PA says, good segment, but missed opportunity. You guys should take some inspiration from the Great British Bake Off and call this the Great British Bacon. Ooh, okay. There's something, there's a good pun in yeah. there. Well, deuce is a tennis term, and we use it differently here. I thought that we could play off of that somehow. For now, we'll call it the Great British Bacon. Okay. Instead of the Great British Bake Off. Great British Bacon. But we have to get the score from Pete the Body. Pete, how many oinks did the Great British Bacon earn? (laughs) 
That's a four and a half. Oh. Four, that's a four seven five. A four seven a five. Four seven five. Is that so? Okay, so here are here are my thoughts on this. I don't really pay attention to any of the majors in tennis until the final. And this was a really fun, interesting way to know what was happening. It was slightly confusing because there was a lot of names. It felt like a lot of matches was kind of dense, and it was long. Those would be my two grade downs. My grade ups would be, and I say this with all honesty, tennis needs Pat Boyle Mm. because Pat just made tennis fun and digestible in – a way that he actually appreciates the sport instead of mocking the sport that tennis could really benefit from. It's oftentimes a stuffy sport, an old school sport, and I think there's maybe just some of the general public that doesn't feel like they're accessible to tennis. They they didn't play tennis. They they couldn't they couldn't imagine themselves at Wimbledon, even though the U.S. Open's a, a pretty good party for the everyman. But that Boyle made. Wimbledon, less stuffy and more fun. And that was amazing. The singing was great. The jokes were funny. The the puns were tremendous. The writing was great. I mean, aside from it being dense and long, I mean that's that's as good as it gets in terms of a tennis recap. Yeah, could couldn't have been a five because it was overly long and this is the the line that Boyle expertly usually straddles is rapid fire jokes, multiple layered jokes, but every once in a while they get a little, little too much. Today's a little bit too much preventing the perfect score, but I thought all the songs hit. The actual performances of the songs were good. Tremendous. Soup du jour off of Ange Jabor. All the jokes worked um, Alcaraz was, sent him to Alcatraz. Right. Emptying his bank account for you. Well, or checking account, really well done. To be expected. It is at the point where we kind of expect Boyle to be awesome. Right. But he really did deliver. That's the first time that's ever been done, and it was awesome. Right. And as a tennis fan, I can say that factually it was good as well. And the pronunciations are not easy. Nope. Pete the Body, give me why you delivered the 475. He made it fun. He made tennis fun. Uh, I think. It's hard for some people to understand what's going on in the tennis world. That's just how it is. Um, I think that his standard is always top-notch, so the writing and the, the transitions and the uh, just very smooth. Uh, I enjoyed it very much, at, and I said it to him when he came in here, the Achilles, his Achilles heel, heel is the length. It was long. You know, if cut it down maybe a minute and a half shorter – because he's, do, he's doing three matches. so Yeah, that felt like six matches. It felt yeah. like six, I mean, Bogus could do an entire update with, with the whole scoreboard in like two minutes. So I cut it down a little bit. I think that's his Achilles heel is length of anything he writes. Because, but it, any, everything he writes is great. So, and it was a hard, it's, it's hard to judge the first one too. Because that's right. It, this is the first of its kind where you got to give it a five right out of the gate. That's a, you're gonna have to always live up to that five, um, and, and who knows if he goes higher than that. So it, it's a little, it's a tough way to handle 
uh, a scoring in the first try. So I, I think 475 is very fair. It shows how good he was in terms of his writing, but also indicates the length is too long. The British accent also to oh, lead yes. things off cannot be forgotten. He might have got a seven if he did it the whole yeah. time. Although I do, I, I asked if I if I should do the he accent. He ran it the whole by time. me, yeah. and I thought it would be distracting if he did the whole thing in British accent. And and it there was a flavor of Australian in there as well. I was well. going to say, if there's a linguist listening, we do need a clarification. It did sound more Sydney <laughs> than London to me. I kind of did want a bloom and onion. Yeah, there. right. It was a little Robin Leach. That's not a knife. But it was, <laughs> it was excellent. Dan tweets in, Boyle's back. That was the bee's knees. Mraz will have his knickers in a twist after that one. Bloody well done, my good chap. A dude in Texas tweets, phenomenal Wimbledon coverage by Boyle. Dixieland Dan says, is there nothing this man can't do? Are you not entertained? How in the world can he be this good on something that's never been done before? That's a five-winker based solely on him being able to pronounce the names of these players. Get this man a champion belt. Hashtag goat. He does have the bacon trophy. Mm -hmm. I should have brought it. That was Dixieland Dan that said that, by the way. That's my guy. That is my guy. Yeah, he's got your back on just about everything. He loves you. I'll go to war for Dan. So tomorrow, do we do this again? Was this a success enough to where we run it back tomorrow? And we got two matches today, two men's matches to preview tomorrow. Plenty of material. I say yes. I think we run it back. Yeah. I think there's a Friday, Wimbledon, and then the, the finals are this weekend. Yes. So Sean, Sean can do it on Monday. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he has to, right? Does he have to? Do we throw right in that there? Would be, <laughs> tell him Monday that he's doing it. We're barely making him do any work next week. Next week is the last week of high school where you don't take any tests. You just kind of walk through the, the whole way. high school for Sean. <laughs> or yeah, the, the entire <laughs> Otherwise known as the five years of high school where I spent at West Babylon High. Right. Two lunches, no tests. Right. He's going to get gifts. He's going to get a round of applause. Bouquets thrown at You him. guys can all sign his yearbook. Red carpet. <laughs> I do have some surprises is set up for next week, which I'm very excited about. I'm very excited. And if he doesn't want to do any work, I'm already starting to try to book guests for next week for him. I see. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> don't book his guests. Well, I want to. I want to. I want to finish. Try to book at least a week. I'd like to finish the work. I. I Why tried would he start, to start now, Pete? Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that will be something we have to alert the new producer to. Hey, the precedent has been set that everybody else at the company does most of your work for you, pick, <laughs> picks you up when you've fallen or failed. That's not the way this is supposed to be. Exactly. Don't, everyone's going to expect to have to do your job. Remember, you're. it's up to you to do your job. Yeah. We're returning to the truest form of producer. <laughs> like, you need to produce guests and segments not just embarrass yourself uh-huh. on air, off air, and to give us content. We're returning to your regularly scheduled producer. <laughs> it is it is a thing. I mean, I hate to go too deep into the wormhole here, but it has become a thing with Mraz where he morphed more into on-air personality than he was producer. And there was even parts of me, and this is so far from where my radio DNA comes from, that... I would sometimes feel guilty about giving him producer work. <laughs> I really would. It'd be like, no, we get, we got to do this. We got to have this audio ready. We got to. 
And it would start to become like, well, Barrett doesn't really do that, you know. <laughs> so like somebody else has to do that. Who can guess? Oh, he doesn't do that. <laughs> I mean, really? forget that. When you think about it, there were a few things he did. He posted the podcast every day. Yeah. He he did book a Sit guest down. a guest a day. That's what I said. Look, I'm like. Most radio shows do multiple guests. They want this, that. I don't want that. I just want one guest today. I'll and go it, down this we, hole. And if we go no guests, it's fine. I'm fine with that. It's like I'll write the production pieces. I'll get them to our production department. I'll make sure the opens are ready. I'll search for that audio. You know, Pete will pick up the slack on this, that, the other thing. Like we, yep. <laughs> we kind of allowed Mraz to just be crazy morass there was a whole lot of settling like when he had to run the board the one time <laughs> it was right, but i got sick morass puffing out his chest because he was in such fear he wouldn't know what to do and then suddenly was like oh i pressed the right button oh i could do this but like he can't go back and work with cap on graphics he can't i mean it's just we we kind of let him play by his own rules yeah and the guests that he booked came from two columns Guests that were presented to him by PR people <laughs> because they were pushing something or people he knows. <laughs> like he didn't, you know, he wasn't going out and doing like real, making phone calls or phone call, finding sources, finding links. Like a perfect example is when Pete's car got vandalized and Paul Rudd was involved. <laughs> a quote unquote real producer would have figured out how to get Paul Rudd on the show or at least tried to get Paul Rudd on the show, found who his agent was, gone that way. Just tried. And Sean went, I'm good. <laughs> we yeah. don't need that. Especially at, at the time, Paul Rudd's standing there. You can't ask for a card, right? can't ask for, a, for an agent right. number or Nothing. anything like that. Nothing. Or even thinking a producer would think this is a great story we got to try to have Paul on the air. Maybe I'll plant the seed. Maybe I'll, like you said, reach out to his agency. But just, Mraz doesn't exist in that producer world. That's no. just not, his head's not thinking about that. It was just in the moment. I met Paul Rudd. I'm going to talk to Paul Rudd about the car and then tell the guys I told, I talked to Paul Rudd. Yeah. Right. So the next producer will be asked to think a little bit more like a producer <laughs> May usually think. Glad or you brought. Act. I'm glad you brought up the Paul Rudd thing because now it brings back some bad memories of having a windshield smashed and not being able to meet Paul Rudd. Yeah, and yeah, we never got the payoff. No. Well, I again had I, Sean been a producer, you might have met Paul Rudd after the fact. We have found the first responsibility for the new producer. Book Paul, Paul Rudd. Rudd. That'd be great. Uh, but the right? pro the problem though is it's been a long time now. Paul Rudd might have forgotten about this. Well, True, but it makes the bit even funnier. It is, what tough. Happened? it is tough to forget somebody's windshield getting smashed in no. right in front of you. You're forgetting he's Paul Rudd. Like, his his regular day is full of things that would be amazing to us. Oh, that could, he could remember that. Maybe. Because it was it was really, like, it was a giant hole. True. But if we're going to use all of 2024 to find Sean's replacement, then by 2025, <laughs> yeah, Paul Rudd's right. going to be out of memories. He might be retired by then. How long do we milk this bit for? <laughs> and FAN is keeping receipts. More than one person has already said, will you take Sean back? They're pre-fed up with is Sean. Is that right? Oh, yes. No. The show hasn't even started Not yet. Not even started yet. 
there's already some skepticism. Well, if, if we thought his <laughs> ego was out of control at CBS Sports Radio, what happens when he's on the largest blowtorch in sports in sports yeah. radio in North America? I said the other day, the videos are fun and clever, and that's that's it's good in small doses. Best of luck every day with that. <laughs> and they all <laughs> nodded knowingly that that's now the problem. Especially when he's hired for it. Right. That is only going right. to douse... Gasoline all over an already raging fire. You've uh-huh. hit the peak with Mraz. That's it. <laughs> that's it. It's, all, that, it's you, all downhill from here? That's it. So essentially, he built his career on our television show, and now he's getting A-list movies. Right. And now those producers and directors have to deal with him, and we go back he, to our TV show. He's the unsung hero in the NBA that gets the max contract from a bad team. <laughs> <laughs> And, and then gets injured in the first year. It's like trying to put Johnny Knoxville in a real movie. Like if he's right, not going right, to try yeah. to kill himself, he's just going to straight act. You're asking for problems, and immediately like, oh, P.S. You can't be Mraz anymore. Yeah. Now John, you're Sean Morash. Right. Johnny uh, Johnny Knoxville doing Saving Private Ryan doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now he's Jonathan Knoxville. Right, right. <laughs> Corporate Morash. John Knox. Jonathan Knoxville. Uh, yes, let me ask you something, Jonathan Sean. R. Knoxville. <laughs> the next Tom Clancy novel movie. Right, right. <laughs> Sean, could you explain the, the Nick's cap situation to us? I can't. <laughs> you know that there is but a But I'll cap. eat something. <laughs> I'll eat something for you, and then I'll soil myself. <laughs> I'll eat a Nick's hat. I can do that for you. Right. And you have to imagine there's going to be some point where they ask him something like that, and he gets nervous and goes, what can I eat? <laughs> he starts sweating beads of sweat in his forehead. Uh, I'll eat that cheese thing. Get the crate case. Uh, huh? I did it over there. Uh, is there a fish tank full of water I can drink? Gimmicks, <laughs> gimmicks. Speaking of fish tank, you guys know my Aunt Diane and what she did one time? I told you about Bradley Schwartz. <laughs> now, who did his mom grow up next to or his dad? Was it Britney Spears? No, no. Lindsay Lohan's mom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you about D. Lohan. We were just having a conversation about the Knicks cap situation. Right. I got nothing on R.J. Barrett, but <laughs> see my summer hat. Dina Lohan. <laughs> we're toasting to the good life. I feel alive. Ah, ah, ah. We are feeling good and doing well. How many beers ago? Uh... Probably a thousand. It's the DA Show's Thirsty Thursday. Celebrating with some booski. All right, we toasted the good stuff on Thursdays. Pat Boyle, lead us off. Who are you toasting? I got to toast Andrew Bogish here, the bogeyman, a kind sir. Not only is he handsome, and he's got some great blue eyes, and he's a, a pro's pro and a, a locker room leader in the update closet, the update chair, uh, but he's also taking care of breakfast this morning, mm. which is something that is... Applauded and regrettable after I just heard you call in the order. <laughs> is, is Pete getting three meals out of me? No, no. Four four items. So but a twelve ounce steak. Yeah, a lot of lobster <laughs> this morning. So cheers to uh to Bogish for you know going out of the way, taking care of the show for breakfast. Didn't have to do that, didn't have to offer the card, but said here's the menu, my card's on it. Go what go what, go crazy, go wild. So Toast to Bogues. Hashtag toast Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The end of our night. Yeah. <laughs> Pete the body, who you toasting to? I am toasting my buddy, 
Timmy Bellotti. He is advanced. He's in the, I would say, the second of three stages in potty training. And okay. He's doing very well. You're not falling asleep on the potty? No, no, no. But he, he's doing very well because uh, my wife has a whole structure in place because she's a teacher. So she knows she has a certain way to do it. And he's doing very well. And, and he has to learn before he goes to school in September. So nursery school in September. So I toast my son for doing a great job. All right. Walk me through this here, Pete. What age do I start trying to drop AJ on some plastic fake kitty toilet seat? <laughs> I believe it's like two and a half, three, so around you're, there. You're changing diapers through the first two, two and a half years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you could get ambitious and go two, beginning of two, but it's like two and a half, three. And then the first thing is, you have to <laughs> predict when it's coming, and then just drop them on a bowl. Like, uh, no, you want to do it here. There's many ways to do it. We are sending him in there like every so often and then we ask him hey do you have to go to the bathroom and uh, he'll always say no but we'll say hey go in there <laughs> so see. it's getting a routine in, and then he get eventually will get into so if he's on step two he's got to get to step three by september yes and i think he will is that doable he might get to step three by in the end of the next week okay yeah. so the steps move quickly yeah I'd have to get confirmation from my wife, but for at least one of, for our second kid, if not the first one too, like we went um, like really dramatic where you kind of like keep them in one room and you put like, like almost tarping down. Kitty litter down? Not kitty litter, <laughs> but like tarping and you kind of just leave them in their underpants so that they almost have an accident and they don't like it. And that, mm. that's what makes them learn to know it's coming right. to go take me to the bathroom. That's, that's. That's a method. We're doing something, not not all that. We're doing the, we're keeping him on one floor. Like, he cannot go down into the TV room. He, you know, he's staying on the main floor of the house. Uh, and, and, and you have to go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom. Yeah. It's like the, it's in the same family of the cry it out method when they're, when you're teaching them to go to bed. Like, you just have to sometimes just sit there and let them freak out and not address it because uh -huh. they need to learn to calm themselves down, to lay down, to go to sleep. So this is along the same lines where it's almost like you just go from zero to 60. Even now, they're like throwing babies in pool because like when you're less than like six months old, like just instinct takes over and you swim. Yeah. And like that's how you teach them to swim before you they can even like walk basically. Yeah. It's all this very like intense, bare bones, like straight back to like nature thoughts. Does this all sound so exciting, Pat? <laughs> yeah, totally. I can't wait to have kids. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't marriage and family and children and childcare sound amazing? I, I get angry. I lose my lid pretty quickly on like mundane things. If I actually had real life stress like you guys do, oh man, I, I you don't even want to see the kind of guy I'd become. Andrew Bogus, who are you toasting to? Uh, Booski's to the little voice in my head that saved me from mini disaster this morning. I wake up, I'm getting ready, I'm starting to walk out the door, and I can't find my glasses that I'm wearing right now. There's like three or four places in the house that I leave them behind sometimes, so I make my little route, and I don't see them. I think, okay, maybe they're in my bedroom, I left them in there, I don't want to go back in and wake my wife up. No big deal, I don't need my glasses. As I'm starting to leave, actually leave the house, I remember that last night had my glasses on, had them kind of tucked into the front of my shirt. As I was getting out of the car, they were like loose on the shirt. I fixed them. But that reminded me like, oh man, maybe they fell off my shirt. 
So I'm out there in my driveway now, phone flashlight going. I, I can't find my glasses. I can't find my glasses, Velma. <laughs> exactly. And I go, all right, so they're not out here. They must be in my bedroom. I'll be fine. I get my sitting. I'm in my car. I have to close my door. And something in my head goes, again, you took the garbage out last night with them hanging oh. out from my shirt. Get out of my car. Go to the curb. Flashlight back on again. Get to my recycling bin and nestled in between empty oh, soda cans wow. are these glasses. Now, my garbage guys come at like 6 a.m. My wife wouldn't have been awake if I had a second thought of, please just go look at this. They would have been gone in the recycling, never to be seen from again. So again, whatever told me, reminded me last second, hey, wow. you took the garbage out, go check. They must have fallen off my shirt when I knelt over, bent over to put the bin down. So, Booskies to, again, Booskies. the little voice inside. Hashtag Toasto. That story never ends well. No. When you forget where you lost something and you go and you backtrack, nobody ever finds the stuff that they lost. Ever. Yeah. And I, I, like, the sprinklers had gone on, so they were soaking wet in the empty beer cans and stuff, but they were sitting right there on top of it. Huge. I guess I didn't hear it fall out, so thank God I had that, that last Huge. thought. Huge. I'm toasting to my mother-in-law because as two young parents, AJ's now seven weeks old, we took AJ on a little road trip for the 4th of July week and spent it at the in-laws. And, you know, when you're a young parent, first time, like, it freaks you out when your kid is freaking out. And you just, you don't know what to do all the time. And you go through the checklist. I've talked about this. And just when your kid's crying a lot, you're like, I must be doing something wrong because I've never done this before and he's crying and I'm totally messing this up. And you just, you don't have a lot of space to like do anything else. It's not like my wife and I have had a date night since he was born. It's not like we ever get to do anything together unless he's sleeping. And so to go to the in-laws and to give the the baby over to our mother my mother-in-law and for her to just be so calm like yeah i got this is such a relief because when you're a young parent you're just like always on edge and she's like yeah it's fine so we got to go out and have dinner once we got to go out and have lunch once and that's just amazing freedom but then something that she said that i'll always remember we came back from dinner and of course you're all like i hope he wasn't terrible i hope he wasn't crying i hope he was quiet i hope he went to sleep and she's like, no, he cried a lot. I'm like, ah, oh, so sorry, so sorry. She goes, it's fine. Babies cry. And I was like, that's such a good reminder that it's okay because this is just what happens. And people that are patient and people that like have done this before just get it. So that's just a good reminder when you're freaking out about something and somebody goes, yeah, don't worry, life happens. Like everyone lives. You're like, that's right. That's a great reminder. So she gets the Booskies. Booskies! My mother-in-law, Elizabeth, was awesome. Booskies from you guys. Toast them. Hashtag toast them. Hashtag toast them. It's really Dylan tweets. I'm toasting to the fact that I'm now in a financial position in life where I can routinely spend absurd amounts of money on pro wrestling tickets. Hashtag Booski. That's Pete's burner. Yeah. What age is that, Pete? Is that like first job you start? Uh, second job? Yeah. And then and then you get to the point where you are a fan and then you see the prices and you're like, oh, all right. It's time to get some formula. What's the stage where you lie about being off 
Because you're traveling to a major wrestling event. Well, first of all, I never lied about being off. I oh, never right. said where I was going. That's totally different. You withheld the truth. That's right. I need to know what I'm doing on my day off. That's my business. At, what, at what stage do you stop watching it? Because it's fake. Uh, another guy. <laughs> no, another Uh-oh. guy. Another another wrestling's fake. The wrestling's fake. Pat was so high on Pete's list right before that comment, and now he's dropped all the way below Avery in the Bay Area. Let's, let's talk about Wimbledon for six minutes. Uh-oh. <laughs> I mean, again, at least it's real. Because and no one's watching. This morning, the ESPYs are on in my little booth TV, and there's two wrestlers giving out an award, and they're up there doing their shtick like what should we win for this and for that I'm like well again somebody told you you should win those things you didn't you know you when you use your cash out bonus to win the title because somebody in Stanford Connecticut wanted you to do that it's a little different than an SB for winning the World Cup or the Super Bowl look at their checkbook that's fine it's just not a sport All right. I will I was in love with WWF and even when it first became WWE even when I knew it wasn't real they, it has lost, for me, it lost its luster 15 years ago. It used to be phenomenal. I, I think that was for all ages. I it, just think it's not a great product anymore. It circles back to one of Mraz's greatest wars ever, which was with Taz, right. over who gets into the WWE Hall of Fame. Yeah. And Mraz's point was, well, couldn't anybody, as long as they write you into the Hall of Fame? Yeah. <laughs> and Taz <laughs> felt like that was very disrespectful to the great wrestlers. Oh, well, it was. And so... so it's, it's no, it's a, how you didn't say to Taz's face. It's a war that still burns. It's the 100-year war. We don't know if Taz has forgiven him. I don't think he has. He, yeah. he might have forgotten that Sean exists, which is like a different form of forgiveness. And I usually am not on Team Sean, but I was mostly on Team Sean in this one. Now, there is an argument of, okay. Take a hike, all right? No, no. Hey, I'm gonna, hey, here's no, my, here's my pro wrestling point. thing. Take a hike. Dave Matthews. Go to another Dave Matthews concert. Another yeah, thing, Pete, get him. Another thing that's not at the ESPYs, and that's fine. I'm not putting on ESPN.com what the set list was <laughs> last night. I'm not Dave telling Matthews you that Carter concert? Bulford, the drummer, is just as good an athlete as LeBron. Oh. <laughs> Marching Who's the ants? best lead Boom. man in sports? Dave Matthews, LeBron James. We ever had that conversation? Boom. No. So what was going to be your argument? So like there is a there is a validity to yes, there's writers, but they have like Hulk Hogan was Hulk Hogan. Like it's almost like an acting Hall of Fame. Like he played the role correctly and then earned the path through the writers' room to all of those things. So like you do earn your way in, but again, it's just. When the, it all began with a conversation, people getting angry in the newsroom here about who should be in and who should be out. Like we're discussing whether Barry Bond should be allowed in the Cooperstown. It's just not the same thing. It's such a ice, take the icing off the cupcake argument. It's such a low hanging fruit. It's ridiculous. It's gone on for years. Just, but it's a, it's a hor- horrible uh, opinion as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Steven in South Carolina says, I'm toasting Oops. to the fact that our eight month old is finally sleeping through the night and I uh. finally got some sleep. P.S. I've got a pitch for the producer role. You and Pete the Body should have baby races. Hashtag Booskies. Booskies. Kerry and AJ. We start them at the sidewalk, 345 Hudson, right outside of our building, and let them make it to the homeless guy in the end. Yeah. I mean, we- <laughs> or in the front. We- or the side. <laughs> Across the street. <laughs> or outside our studio. <laughs> but... There is like a week-long bit in where we get people who are 
completely unqualified for different reasons to do Sean's job as well as Sean did it. <laughs> like to prove how easy it was to be Sean. That's October. We did that before. <laughs> Dope-tober. We did that before, though. <laughs> Dope-tober. <laughs> We've done that before. Yeah. We actually have done that. I remember when Mraz decided he, he wanted to go on strike. That's when he was on strike. And we had a listener come in and do Mraz's job with absolutely no training problems. or experience. No problems whatsoever. He actually did a great job. That's so Perez was on strike for, what, two days? Yeah, he was holding up a sign back here. <laughs> icing him out. He wanted to get on the air. That was, that was actually probably his best moment. Your favorite two days ever. Yeah. That was excellent. That was really good. Yeah, because he he, he he called out DA, I'm going to go on strike. And then we said, all right, go on strike. Yeah, he said, go on strike. We'll see if the show moves on. You didn't notice a thing. In fact, it ran better. <laughs> I wish I could remember that listener's name. We had him come in and sit in that seat and answer phones and cut audio, and he was fine. Right. He was actually really good, but he was a scab. <laughs> he broke the strike. He walked past the rat. <laughs> in this case, it's a big, giant inflatable of moraz. We could sit an actual rat in that chair and see what happens. Pizza rat could do the job yeah. better. I'm, I'm yeah. distinctly confident of that. <laughs> Andrew Bogus has headlines. Uh, guys, LeBron never disappoints. If you're looking for lame, cheesy, overly dramatic self-promotion, we've been wondering if LeBron was really considering retirement. Since his remarks after the Laker postseason ended, we got our answer last night at those ESPYs. The real question for me is, can I play without cheating this game? The day I can't give the game everything on the floor is the day I'll be done. Lucky for you guys, that day is not today. Ah, uh, so natural, so organic. Lucky, lucky for Great. you guys. <laughs> Who announces we're co I'm coming back to play? Lucky for you guys. I've decided to bestow my greatness upon you one more time. And either he's terrible at being sarcastic, right. or that wasn't a sarcastic lucky for you. It was an actual congratulations. I'm still playing basketball for you. And I love LeBron, but there are moments where you're just like, dude, who is writing your... Your decisions. Lucky for you, today's not the day. Nobody thought you were going to retire at the ESPYs. <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't part of the anticipation of the event. He also, go ahead. No, and he also had his wife like present the award, and she said, "With all due respect, here's the goat, my husband, no, LeBron James." You can't do that. To, to me, this is why you can't have that debate of Jordan and him because Jordan wouldn't is a totally different mindset in terms of the publicity. LeBron loves milking it for all it's worth. It's a totally, they're two totally different people. He does, but this it's interesting because I don't think you can decide the GOAT based on how awkward they may be no. from a publicity standpoint. Right. But it is true that it does seem to take away from his legacy because he does do things like this. You're like, ah, oh, come on. Yeah, beginning of his career, he was, I mean, he was just playing basketball. You know, you didn't have any of these problems. Lucky for you. That's a funny That's a funny way to come back. Oh. Come back. He didn't retire. I didn't. Uh, this should surprise nobody. There are some last-minute issues with the sale of the Commanders, according to the Washington Post. Significant issues, but maybe also a late attempt from Dan Snyder and his lawyers to get something out of the league. This would not kill the deal, just delay it, maybe. Owners, for now, scheduled to vote on it at meetings next week 
in Minneapolis. The Dodgers and Padres will start the next baseball season with two games in late March in Seoul, South Korea. There will also be games next season in the Dominican Republic, Mexico City, and London, all places that Sean can't spell and or find on a map. <laughs> Panama has knocked U.S. men's soccer out of the Gold Cup, taking their Panama. semifinal in Panama. San Diego on penalty kicks. Uh-huh. Panama faces Mexico in the final on Sunday in Vegas. WNBA last night, the dream down the storm, 85-75 for a sixth straight win. And the Aces roughed up the Sparks, 97-78 to reach 19-2 overall. And now, why don't we get stunned? It doesn't take much to surprise this bouncing baby boy. This is honestly the most stunned I have ever been on the show to a news. The DA show is stunned to a news. It almost sounds like a bad football food of the week. Hey guys, I've got an idea. You take a cheeseburger, but you take the (laughs) burger out, you add more cheese... And you eat it. Um, this is what Burger King in Thailand is doing on Ew. Sunday. Restaurants all over the country introduced their real cheeseburger. This is only in Thailand. Only in Thailand for now. Hopefully, only for now. No bun. I mean, no burger. No nothing else. It's literally 20 slices of American cheese between two pieces of bread. Now, some pictures have shown it completely unmelted. Others have it a little gooey and ooey, but either way, it is 20 slices of American cheese. It was selling very well, but getting limited good reviews because, not surprisingly, it is an overwhelming amount of cheese. I don't even know how you actually can bite through it. It looks so thick and undelicious. Cheese. God. I mean, it's just terrible, but they're selling it this week for now, and people are buying it for now. Hopefully, it only stays in Thailand. But if so, it doesn't, please don't eat this. It looks horrendous. Horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. There's no lettuce. There's no tomato. There's no sauce. There's no meat. There's no burger. It is just a bun and 20 slices of American yellow cheese. It's cheese on cheese on cheese. The cheese isn't melted. It just looks horrendous. I wonder if this was meant to go viral. Yes. But it's also distinctly cheaper than an actual cheeseburger. Apparently, this is what I'm reading, that a cheeseburger at a Thailand McDonald's, or Burger King in this instance, is about $10. And this one's going to be $3. So is it possible that they're just giving a cheaper alternative for people that can't afford a $10 cheeseburger? I mean, and it's certainly not a, hey, we're trying to not use as much meat as we're using like this is not your weird vegetable chicken nugget argument this is just i think they want something to be weird and unique and people to try and eat it and film themselves eating it and buying it it's it's literally just for pr guys if we were to eat the real cheeseburger what is the effect it would have on your body debilitating how could it not I mean, these people, what a bunch of horses' ass at Burger King to, to come up with this idea. Uh, we couldn't do, you, you can't do the Beyond Burger, the Vegetarian Burger. You are going to do literally stack 20 slices of cheese between a non-toasted 
sesame bun. You might, like, if you're gonna do it, just call it a grilled cheese. It's Burger King's grilled cheese and actually make it look good. No, 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 no. We're gonna put 20 unmelted slices of cheese between an untoasted bun. And you idiots out there on TikTok, you're gonna try to go viral just by eating it and saying how gross it is. And meanwhile, we're taking your money out of your pockets. No, you will never catch me. Ever catch me doing something as stupid as this. Delicious, warm, yellow cheese. I don't think there's any way I could digest that. I think that no. I would take one bite and it'd be like, ugh, ugh, okay, I'll swallow that. Two bites, maybe. By the time I would get like halfway through, it'd be like, oh, my stomach feels like crap. I can't finish this. And if I did... It would be a major Mraz situation. Yes. Oh, a DA oopsie. Yeah. Or, or the opposite. That could plug you up for days. I think it would have to somehow come out because I don't think my system could digest 20 pieces of unmelted cheese. Nobody's can. Oh. Nobody's can. And I'm still somewhat lactose intolerant. I'd have a big problem. Big, Nothing better. Big, big problem. Because, like, what's a good, like, ooey, gooey, stretchy grilled cheese. Maybe four slices of cheese? Right. Probably. Yeah. It, maybe most. five to six at Depending most. Depending on if the thickness of the cheese. Piece of Texas toast. Right. right. Yeah. And the, right. And the bread, too. 20, again, we're four or five times that. Yeah, and the thing is, like, this is as tall as a tall burger with toppings. So imagine trying to get through that height of cheese. Yeah. That's <laughs> so good. <laughs> No one knows what analytics is. They think it's like a bunch of nerds doing math, which I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. It's time now for the Mothership's Advanced Analytics. If we were trying to get Zion Williamson back in shape, he probably needs to get out of New Orleans, one of the best, if not the best eating city in America. So where does he need to go? Minnesota, Orlando, Indiana, or Seattle if the Sonics came back? 35% 35% of you said Seattle, a sushi diet. Then Minnesota and Indiana, followed up by Orlando. Data tells us, according to one poll, San Francisco ranked as the healthiest city in the U.S. with Seattle at number two. The fattest place to live, or the unhealthiest, Brownsville, Texas. Do they have a G League team? And finally, Boyle lost some LBs when he went to Orlando for a college baseball trip. He was sick for two straight days after eating at one of the local restaurants. That's right. Do you remember what you ate? Uh, I think it was just like a a chicken sando, and I probably got salmonella. You know, usually if you get food poisoning, it oftentimes comes from a chicken dish. Just seems to be what usually gets people. Yeah, it's easy, I guess, uh, to undercook. You get a chef that uh, hates his or her life, doesn't care. This person, you're getting salmonella. I'm uh, undercooking this. And I think another another way to really get it is is from a bad like sauce, like a like a expired sauce. Oh, that's how I got it one time. But mm. but those are it's that's really under the radar sometimes. Mm. When you put a bad sauce on there or a sauce that needs to go in the trash, that could cause it too. Chicken also can turn bad without sometimes you knowing it, and so it starts to get that smell. You have to smell it. And if you don't smell it and it looks fine and you just throw it on the griddle or something like that, you might not know you're eating some tangy chicken. Let's get to your epic fail, Mraz's era of mediocrity. Even the DA show is not perfect. We know. Shocking. 
Here's the epic fail. We're barely making them do any work next week. Next week is the last week of high school where you don't take any tests. You just kind of walk through the, the whole way. high school for Sean. Otherwise known as the five years of high school where I spent at West Babylon High. Right. I don't know that I brushed my teeth today. That will be something we have to alert the new producer to. Hey, the precedent has been set that everybody else at the company does most of your work for you. Pick- <laughs> I am the producer. I'm such a crap producer, you know that? I'm not the butt clown. There was even parts of me, and this is so far from where my radio DNA comes from, that I would sometimes feel guilty about giving him producer work. <laughs> <laughs> I really would. It'd be like, no, we get, we got to do this. We got to have this audio ready. We got to... And it would start to become like, well, Barrett doesn't really do that, you know. <laughs> so like, somebody else has to do that. Who can guess? Oh, he doesn't do that. I like, just don't like sounding stupid. Fan is keeping receipts. More than one person has already said, "Will you take Sean back?" They're pre-fed up with. Is Sean. that right? Oh, yes. No. The show hasn't even started. <laughs> Not yet. even started yet. There's already some skepti- skepticism. I have a big wiener in my hand. I oh. love smelling those balls. Uh-huh. Hit the peak with Mraz. That's it. <laughs> that's it. So it's, all, it's you, all downhill from here. That's it. So essentially, he built his career on our television show, and now he's getting A-list movies. Right. And now those producers and directors have to deal with him, and we go back he, to our TV show. He's the unsung hero in the NBA that gets the max contract from a bad team. <laughs> And then gets injured in the first year. Try to investigate you. I think I'm a lost cause. It's like trying to put Johnny Knoxville in a real movie. Like if he's not going to try to kill himself, he's just going to straight act. You're asking for problems. And immediately like, oh, P.S. You can't be Mraz anymore. Now you're Sean Morash. Johnny uh, Johnny Knoxville doing Saving Private Ryan. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Now he's Jonathan Knoxville. Right, right. (laughs) Corporate Morash. I am very big on drug dealing. Epic fail, you loser. That is why you fail. Epic fail. All right, that'll do it for us this morning here on the DA Show. Thanks to Pat Boyle, executive producer. Thanks to Pete the Body Bellotti on the Wheels of Steel and audio director. Thanks to Andrew Kaplan, the Wizard of Watch DA. And thanks to Andrew Bogish on your headlines. Be good and be good to one another. We will see you tomorrow. I'm DA and the Mothership Disconnects. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 